So one of the things that um, I was concerned with when I um, had my uh, child was just legacy. So I said, you know what, let me have a conversation about it. Mm. Talk to a couple of people about it on, on this week's stock exchange and, you know, kind of get into some things. I got a whole, I got a whole list of notes. So I'm going to ask questions. You guys kind of go in. Make sense? Good? Cool. Yeah. All right. So the first question is a question I had to answer when um, I had my son because it kind of freaked me out. And it, was, it came up before I had my son because a lot of us work a lot of hours. A lot of us are trying to get to a destination unknown in most cases. We, we think we know where we're going, but we're kind of mm -hmm. just hoping that we get to that place that we call home, so to speak, in our mind, right? Mm -hmm. So it happened to me in 2016. I was turning 50. I did not call anyone. I did not go anywhere. I just turned off the phone and sat on my couch and just was in deep thought because I was like, this is big. It was big because prior to me turning 50, four people that I knew died of heart attacks at my age. Mm -hmm. Right? So Scott and Hugh, Mark, you know, you know Anthony Mason died at 42. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, I had a buddy of mine who died on his birthday of a heart attack. And so I said, okay, I worked so many hours to get to a certain point in my life and I mm -hmm. put it in. Like if anyone knows me, they know that I worked my tail off to get to where I'm at. I, I mean, I did not stop nonstop. All right. And if you were on my Facebook post, you saw the deal. Yeah. I did not want to die of a heart attack at the end of the road. Yeah. Right. I just, that, that was my mindset. So I also realized that if I'm working and I'm always thinking about moving forward, then I'm not thinking about a relationship. I wasn't thinking about, even though I was in one, I was living with my significant other. I wasn't thinking about marriage as much as I, sh I wanted to get married. It, matter of fact, I should say it was a thought, right? So the, my brain was like, okay, if I don't slow down and stop, it's never gonna happen. So when I left to go to Florida, I was like, okay, I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And, you know, all of a sudden we had news, like right after our birthday, we got a birthday present. My son was coming, right? That's when the world changed. Like everybody knows who has kids that you forget everything about your life. And it's all about who? The kids. Absolutely. It's about your children. So, so the question came up, what would I leave behind if I died that day? And I'm being 50, my son being nine months, I mean, excuse me, one, not even born, right? What would he know about me? What would I leave behind? And how would I do it? So I'm going to go into it, but this is what, for the people who, like my man Mark got this book and a couple people got this book. I wrote the book because I was paranoid that if I didn't put it in writing, that he wouldn't get it. Got it? So, okay. So the question is, what will you leave behind? What do you plan to leave behind for your child? Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, you don't want to leave a burden on your children or, or, or your spouse 
or your, 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 your loved ones. So assets are imperative to uh, ensuring that not only there is financial uh, comfort when you are passed on and so that there is not a struggle for your child as they grow older that they have some level of financial leverage. Mm -hmm. That financial leverage means A, they have college already covered or whatever career they want to pursue and B, they have the ability to purchase a home with that asset. Now that's not only just cash or life insurance, it is the asset of your home or the asset of something that holds a retainable value. And we're not talking about cars because cars just mean nothing on your, on your, on your, on your spreadsheet. Your, 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 uh, we call this a general ledger. And we have, to, we have to treat our lives as a, a corporation. You know, what are your assets, what are your liabilities, and why would somebody give me money as a corporation? Why would you invest in me? So your child, needs, you need to treat yourself as a company or a ledger. Because if you got more liabilities and no assets, that gives nothing to your child. So to your point, Kev, you have to leave an asset to your children. And how do we build that? I'll leave that to you to continue. Okay, so here's the reality. You know, for us who are in, the, in, in insurance and in finance and all this other great stuff, you know, we think about it. It's a moving part to us all day. But the average person doesn't think about that. So we're going to speak and tool down a little bit to the people who don't understand that. Because one of the things I'm famous for is taking something super complicated and breaking it into baby food. So this way, everyone can digest it, right? So most people don't think about that. Most people working day to day, they don't know what free cash flow is. They don't understand. If they don't know what that is, they don't understand how they're going to retire. So let's kind of wheel it back just a little bit. Um, what, what do you think was the most important lesson? You know, and I want to hear from, you know, one of the ladies on this one. Um, that your parents taught you coming up? Ooh. I got a good on, one. Stephanie. Let's get to it. Um, well, mine was very different uh, for me because I come from a military family that turned pastor and bishop. So I saw a lot and I knew my mom worked her whole life for Bank of America, 30-something years. Mm. But what I learned going through getting a master's in finance and working with three different companies, whether it be brokerage, life insurance and stuff like that. What I learned on my own about life insurance, I actually didn't hear it in the house, even though mom worked for the bank all that time. Mm -hmm. We were taught main, mainly to go to work, go to school, get a good job. So I did the basic stuff. I went to work. I had my first job at 14. I went to school. I went and served in the military. I went and got three college. I did everything step by step of what I was, what I saw and what I was taught because my grandparents had been during slavery time and stuff like that. So everything was boom, boom, boom. Then when I saw it wasn't just like that. And if I do this, I'm just going to go to work, get married and die one day. And that's not what I wanted. 
the one that decided to do something different and I don't mind taking risks. So for me, the biggest lesson that I learned was to take the risk, take the chance, take the chance of being the outsider, take the chance of being ostracized, take the chance. Because when you do that, whether it be your family, your friends, people that don't understand your logic or thinking, they're going to be like, why are you leaving your safety zone? When I went into life insurance, people were like, what are you doing? You had a nice job because I ended up at Merrill Lynch and Bank of America. You had a guaranteed income. But to me, it wasn't. So it was always about wanting something more. So the biggest lesson for me was unlearning what I learned if that makes sense. It was unlearning a lot of what I learned to be able to be different and be able to now have things that none of my family has. Mm -hmm. And they're still looking at why you, why you need that or why you have to have that. Like, it's still a, a mindset. My sister is so happy that from her two 17 year olds and she's happy that everyone in her house has a nine to five now. That's something to celebrate. For me, I want my children to know the power of like we were talking about real legacy, having something that they can be in positions of power with ownership. Mm. And I didn't, because I didn't learn. And when I did learn it, it was about unlearning the step-by-step, step, which I'm still grateful that I did it, but it was a lot of unlearning, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. You know, I just think that the, um, <laughs> I don't know, it's in my mind, the mind's a terrible place to waste, but Here's the reality. Most people are in a box. I kind of figure like the rat race is real because they're in that that whole box, you know, and most people still talk about the nine to five. So like my dad taught me when I was younger how to play chess. So that was probably the most prolific game to me I probably would ever learn in my life because it made me a critical thinker. Right. So, you know, far focus, analyze, respond, F-A-R, far, because you're not going to get far if you don't do that. Right. So that's what you need to kind of work on if we're trying to get to that, especially if we're trying to get to that next, next level as, as people, you know, we got to change our whole mindset, you know, and what I find is that we're not, we're not reading. That's not happening. So if that's you think true. about it, the average millionaire reads four to five books a month. Can you do the part for me again? I'll do it for you. Okay, it's focus, analyze, respond. All right. So, and so we're we're not reading. So if we're not reading, then we can't succeed. Leaders are readers. Readers are succeeders. So if if you think about that, if you're not passing on, if you're not reading, you're passing that on to your children. If you're constantly thinking about your paycheck on Friday or what's, what you gotta pay all the time, then you're not thinking about what you need to invest in. So that whole mindset needs to shift. If we shift that, how do we shift that? So we talked about the problem, what's the solution, right? So how do we shift that? Because the average person is really just caught up in their whole world, their fishbowl, right? So I believe that and, and I'm going to bring it to Curtisio on this one. I believe that we need to stop watching the news, right? Like bang, bang, shoot him who died yesterday. And we need to pay attention to financial news or something that's going to elevate our conscious to get more, right? And so what I created this whole platform was so we can do that. And at the same token, 
um, just lift some people and train some people to do something more. I've been able to be successful in a few areas. I got a couple of my buddies on the line and they, they know me for years, right? You know, so it's, it's, it's authentic what I'm telling you. It's not made up. They've seen me transform <laughs> over years. So it's, it's important that we do that. So Kertisha, for you, what is the most important thing you learned when you was younger? Your parents taught you. Well, um, I'm, it, it's kind of similar to, to what Stephanie was saying, that it was, it was all about surviving um, and, and making sure you had enough, but not really thinking uh, about the future, not necessarily thinking about um, what's going to happen after me, what happens after I get done working, you know? Um, so in talking about legacy, I think it's a good conversation to have because leaving a legacy is, is one of those things that's becoming like a, a popular phrase right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and when things become popular phrases, you know, a lot of times I feel like the meaning is lost. So what I feel people are only focusing on as leaving a legacy is making sure their children are set up. Yeah. Um, maybe financially or something like that. But the way that I've been thinking about it, especially lately, is that your legacy is a lot more than the money that you're going to leave for your children. It's, gonna, it's a combination of the money is good, obviously, um, but the ideas, um, all of the experiences that you have, the, the emotions and the feelings that you leave your family with. So, um, what I'm starting to learn and what I know I'm going to pass down is a lot more um, than just making sure that my children or whoever is financially straight. Um, it's more about passing down that knowledge that if I died, I'm going to be a first generation millionaire as, um, you know, probably a lot of other people on the phone. And if I die right now, we're not there just yet. but that information is going to be there that my daughter will be able to to become that millionaire and not have that same mindset that I had to grow up with so it, it legacy is starting to mean a lot more for me and I'm so thankful for this platform that you created because um, I'm learning a lot more um, even those of us well I won't say us, but people who aren't necessarily able to dive into the market the way they think they should be able to, we have a, an opportunity to get that knowledge. So all of the different pieces that make up your legacy, you can be working on any of those parts um, at any given time. So right now in the game, it's a, it's a lot of knowledge that I'm picking up with the to be able to use the money that I don't have yet. But when I get that money, you already know. <laughs> so I want to step so, in one second yeah. and, um, and say something. I'm going to offer up something else. Thank you so much. That was awesome because my brain was going bing, bing, bing. Right? So I heard it said, and I forgot the gentleman that said it. I was watching a podcast, right? And uh, he said something that blew me away. It was like, an, a light, it was like lightning strike. Your last name is more important than your first name. Your last name 
is more important than your first name. So if you understand that, what do you leave behind? Like you said something about that feeling, those emotions. So if anyone's read the book that I wrote for my son, they will tell you what this book is about. And, you know, I know Mark has read it, you know, and we went through it. It, it took me 45 days to get it done, but it was in me for all my life. So it didn't really matter. I was up at four in the morning, just banging it out. And it was crazy. But the reality behind it is I wanted him to know not just the good stuff. I wanted him to know the angst, the struggle, that moment of peril. So he understood that life wasn't about always walking up tall, but sometimes you got to fall, right? So I need him to know that. And I need him to know about how many times I had to fail to succeed because I'm a first generation millionaire. So I got to look at it from a standpoint of, well, wait a minute. I know I didn't get here by accident. No one bequeathed me anything, right? I had to get my money a job. You feel me? So when I think about that, it's one of those things where now it's, it's, it's so funny the things you get or you aspire to get. And once you reach those things, it doesn't really matter no more. The things that matter the most is being able to just provide and really just spend time with my son and my wife. That's it. You get it? Like I'm a millionaire that way before I was a millionaire this way. Does that make sense? So I just look at it from that standpoint. So it's, it's important that I ask this question. What does your last name mean to you? And what are you going to teach your son or your daughter about your last name, not money. Money's not gonna teach anything to them about your last name, all right? How you walk, how you hold yourself. When I came from, we had this old saying, if you ever heard it, if you was in any type of hood, you know, mama didn't raise no punks, right? So we had to go out there and fight for ours, right? So now it's a different type of fight. We're fighting to get a level understanding. It's like I said something and I'm gonna open it up for that question but I'd said something last week on the call. And I said, poverty knows no color line. Doesn't matter. We all trying to get it together. You understand that? And I'm bringing everybody with me. I don't care who you are, where you come, let's go. Why? Because I know we're stronger that way. And the relationships that you build are solid, especially if I give you a hand up don't, you know, and, and, I, and I help you learn something. Like I'm teaching, like, where's, where's she at? She's on the call somewhere. Um, uh, Charlene is on the call. There you go, babe. So, you know, this girl who's busting out the competition that we're doing right now has, I don't know if you still have the 800,000, but it doesn't matter if you have 790. You get where I'm coming from? Because you took $100,000 of fake money and turned it into 800,000 in a week and a half. All right? And then that one over there took 100,000 to turn into 207,000. That's a win, 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 considering she was at the end, end, end in the beginning, remember? Right? So, and she didn't even place last, last competition. So I already know, and that's not how we make money. That's not how I teach it, okay? But what I do is get people familiar by creating a fun circumstance for them to lose their inhibition with. And that's what happens. So back to the question. What is what will your last name mean to your family? Anyone can open that up. All right. Um, I, I always told my son uh, the, the the name your your name means nothing 
unless you add value to it. Your name is your character. Mm-hmm. Character is, is not something that is just given, it's developed. And at the same time, respect is never given. It is earned. Mm-hmm. And if you don't earn the respect of your peers, earn the respect of your friends, earn the respect of your teachers, your name means nothing. Zero. So at the end of the day, you know, I, I continuously, and, 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 you know, Kev, we both have boys and they're our only child. So they're getting two to 500% of you and me. Yes, sir. Yes? And yes. even if we had a daughter, she'd be getting 1,000%. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have a book of thoughts. It's my journal. And throughout my life, because Kev, we're, we're both 1968, right? So you, you, you younger than me, player. I mean, <laughs> I'm 66, but thank you for blowing me out. It's okay. <laughs> my bad, my bad. <laughs> so you're older than LL and uh, Kane. Uh, come on, let's keep it moving. <laughs> but um, this journal is a, an identity of mine. And it's my journey and my passage through time. I started this journal when my son was born. It is a chronological lesson of my passage in every, every success and every failure. Mm-hmm. But it is done in a form that is a signature of my own. That is the name and the legacy that my son will understand as he gets older, I gift that to him. And I will gift that to him when he's 21. As he becomes a man independently, it will be his to refer to. So when you say, what does your name mean to you? That book has an identity of my own that my son will now carry through the struggles and through the successes. And that in itself uh, adds the value proposition for my son to read through, to refer through, and uh, identify who his dad is and what the last name of our family means to him and what I've built through that. The funny part about it is that was the, um, my struggle. Um, that's why I wrote it. But th- what I'm saying, and, and the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because I really want to see people write it all down. Yeah. How about you leave directions? I used to always joke and I used to say, you know, life is funny because it's not a book like on page 323, what do I do when I get here? Yeah. Right? It's, you kind of live it as you go, right? So it, I think it's important that we start to start, re- we start rethinking how we're doing that and, and leave, leave uh, not only a legacy, you know, of, of, of financial, like financial really pales in comparison to the memory that you leave behind, yeah. right? It's almost like they say, you don't, they don't really, wait till you leave the room. It's about what they say when you're gone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because everybody say something to your face. Wait till you leave the room, right? So when you think about that, it's about 
writing something down, those experiences that only you and your mind will be able to put down at that time. Because the next thing I was talking about is like, why are we not writing it down? Like, why are we not doing that? Why are we not leaving a roadmap for our children to follow, our grandchildren to get to know us, right? Because what have we passed before our grandchildren are born? What will they, oh, like, think like this. It's an experiment, it's an experiment that I do, did when I was doing leadership and we were talking how to duplicate ourselves, right? So I'd line up 10 people and I'd whisper something in one person's ear. By the time we get to the 10th person, it is totally different, like totally different, right? So if you don't write it down for your family member and your child, your son, your wife, then what are you gonna do? And then think about it. If you're the breadwinner, and we are in a family of breadwinners because you have to be these days, right? But if you're the breadwinner and something happens to you, what is your wife or your husband's gonna do? Right, I say husbands. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> That's cause I see those women on my screen. Anyway, but what are they gonna do, right? Because now that's gone. So like my, I was faced with that thought process of my, my something happening to me and my wife not being able to do the things that I'm doing to create the income that I have to keep it going. And although I have a, a, a revenue stream that's gone and it keep going way past my, my life, I want that money to grow. I don't want it to die in a bank or a, a quick death, right? So, cause I know the power of compound interest. Oh boy, do I. So since I understand that, I gotta make sure that every coin is, is prospered. It, it, it has to be treated the right way. Does that make sense? So what are you doing now? And I want some other people to, to answer this, to teach your children different, or what are you gonna do different to teach your children about finances now? Even if you don't have kids. Okay, so I'm gonna have to pick Brad. <laughs> I'm gonna pick my boy Brad, my resident 23-year-olds in the house. So let me. What would you do different? Like, what what were you taught about finances coming up? Let's do it that way. All right. So I mean, when I was growing up, like, I mean, my family never really had a lot. Like, I mean, my my parents busted their asses every single day to give my family what we had. I mean, and even even then, we still didn't make ends meet. I mean. It, even if even if I do make a substantial amount before I have a family of my own, it would be it's very important to teach the value of every dollar that they have. Like that way, they know like they they don't take advantage of it. They don't take it for granted. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh well, I have this. Well, I can get anything I want. They have to learn like what it means. You can't like just give them everything. They have to earn it for themselves. They have to make it for themselves. Um, how I would start that? So you don't have to ever go through this ever again. Like let's, cause we all come from the bottom. Just letting you know that. Everybody I'm talking to have had some experience with it. We wasn't, I, I could tell you my story, but I keep you on this Zoom for about 5,000 hours. So. So you don't ever have to go through it again. What would you do differently 
so that you least start on better footing. Like then my like how my family started. Yeah, like for you, like if you you're saying that you came from a certain existence, right? So if you right. had a child, what would you teach your child so you wouldn't start the same way or you get a springboard? Well, I mean, first off, I mean, it starts it starts at an early age. It starts with education. You know, you have to have your education solidified. I mean, college isn't necessarily everything. Not every not every giant you know billionaire in the world has gone to college it's about and there's no right answer for it just so you right. know because you're not there yet right. and, and the fact that you're on this call and, and you're on it every week just shows me that you want to get there does that make right. sense so you don't really have to have that but it's a good point that we put it in your brain now so you can start thinking about it so right. you know like miss cook said something earlier that Legacy is becoming like a thing. It's like the wave. But I want to counterproduct that because I want to say this to you, that I'd rather become the wave that we're thinking about now as opposed to not hearing it. Does that make sense? So the other part about it is now that we know that our school system does not do the job, it doesn't teach you anything, it shows you how to pass standardized testing, right? So now that we know that is the case, how do we um effectively and 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 i'm step in and, and put something in front of that first teach our children more so they're advanced somebody's off mute put your phones on mute for a minute for me um but how do we teach that how do we teach them what do we teach them and at the same token um we got it's not just what we're teaching them it's a mindset so i don't want my child to go to regular school. Everybody knows that about me. College ain't for him. It's business school. If you ain't going to Wharton, we ain't going to college. You got enough money to start your business. So you ain't gonna have to worry about it. Like he's already projected out to have $3 million when he turns 18 bucks, 18 years. He's projected to have that already. So what business are you going to start? So if you go to school, it's going to be about connections, right? And it's going to be about business modeling. It's gonna be about what business do I wanna own and what do I have, what tools do I need, right? So I think of books that way. So if I need a tool, I go to that book. So a lot of people are working without their tools, right? So I remember this, cause I said it last week, I used to walk around thinking I knew, I don't know anything. I agree to know nothing. I accept everything that comes out of a book. Of course I'm doing the research on it, of course I know, you understand? of course I'm gonna do some fact checking on everything I'm reading. I'm not a, a robot, right? But I know that I'm going to basically get a lot of information from reading and let this information lead me somewhere else. So if I'm gonna be teaching my child something, I better know what I'm talking about, right? Because it's important that we instill confidence in our children. And the only way we can do that is if it's funny because I'm talking about my child like just a year ago, I didn't have one, two years ago, right? So I'm like, wow, I'm having a little moment right now, right? But, but it's important that we do this because on a major scale, when you don't know something, you lack confidence. When you don't know where you come from, you lack confidence. When you've been through a rough period in life and you've been trying to get up and every time you try to get up, someone pulled you down, you lack confidence in the get up. You don't even think you could stand up. And when you stand up, you're shocked. So 
it's it's one of those things to me that unfortunately people think money provides confidence and it does not being able to hunt provide take care communicate and do all the things necessary to just be exist in dualism as we call it amongst each other in a way where you're not threatened by anybody you hold your own and you feel good about it right you're well read you're well thought you understand the differences or at least the choices that you've made in your life and it makes sense so it's almost like I'm, I'm speaking and answering at the same time what are we teaching our children we got to teach them like one of the things that was in this book right away was the power of choice and how to make a decision without emotion how to make a real business decision or a real decision because here's what happens Whew. we're emotional as people and a lot of those emotions hurt our paychecks they ruin our relationships like if you don't know about me here's the deal i used to fire my clients as a stockbroker i used to fire them i don't work for money i'm working to make you money it's still a little bit different right so if i don't like the way you move why would i want to deal with you every day yeah. right i found you i'm a hunter <laughs> you didn't find me right so I can find a lot of people. So in that thought process is the confidence, right? So if you, you raise your children with that thought process, that confidence is that you own your choices. It's your choice. Whether it's a good choice or it's a bad choice, you own your choices. If you do that, then hey, we're, we're in the game. You understand? So the most, most important thing is what we got to do now. What do you think we need to change about the system and how we're teaching our children? I'll open the floor up. Anyone can step in. So um, you guys are talking about kids a lot. I mean, and your sons. I have three sons and a grandson. So um, the pressure that some of society is just now feeling, I felt since my first son was born, that's now 20, um, about teaching him and different things. I have my 16-year-old reading right now the highly effective habits of teenagers, the seven highly effective habits of teenagers. So when he wants something, when I was saying that I had to unlearn and what I wanted to do with my legacy, when he desires something, either he has to read me a book or different things that are going to make him better. And this year, the biggest thing for me that I wanted to teach my children is something that you said and something Kritisha said about legacy. So this year I took initiative. I might not have bought them their first stock because I didn't know, even though I've worked for the investment firms, but I did for my children. I told him to come up with a company because I have a company um, and God gave me something for my youngest son. And my 16 year old is going to school to be an um, aerospace engineer. So um, I got their stuff through the process of being trademarked and patent. And for me as a single mom, to show them that at this age was no, it was unheard of, even for me, you know, my mom doesn't even know I've been doing this. I've been doing this just off of what's been given to me, for me and my sons to do something different. And it has his mind in a totally different place. Even though he's responsible, he's 16, he's out there working right now. He came home today, he was like, mom, these two days in a row with nine to five shifts, he said, I'm not with this. <laughs> But he's learned so much in me making him read and the things that I wasn't taught that some of the stuff that I unlearned because everything, of course, isn't all, all bad. So some of those things that I wish I could have had earlier, 
I've imparted. So I think impartation as well as example is so important. And with me raising men, it's been more difficult. And I think I kind of failed. I did drop the ball with writing stuff down because I felt like I was inadequate because I wasn't dad and dad wasn't in the picture. And I'm inadequate because I don't have the tools to be dad. So, but when my son gave his speech and graduating and stuff, um, and after having his first son and knowing the impact that a mom that doesn't know how to quit had, that, yeah, you've been that a single part. mom, but every house has been greater, every job. And then for the last now four years, not working for anyone, you know, being on 1099 for that long of a period of time, they see that. They got, they've gotten to see the maturity but they've also gotten to see the hustle. So what I'm teaching them is not only through the reading, it's through my example and saying, because I've always told them, if anything ever happened to me, I want you guys to know not to quit. So my legacy that I was leaving in their mind, what Cartesia was talking about, was letting them know as far as a, a mindset that I don't care what happens, we've, we've learned the legacy of resilience. We've learned the legacy of, yes, you know, good things happen to bad people, but we have to keep going. What am I going to do with what just happened to us? What am I going to do with us, you know, having to move? What am I going to do with, with that? What did we learn from it? And where are we going from there? So I've also taught them as men that everything has to be a lesson, especially in the community and the times we live in. You have to bring something as you're going to the next level. It will never be stagnant unless you're stagnant in your mind. So I've literally had to teach them the, uh, the thought process more than literal day-by-day -day actions. You know what's so great about like your energy and, and the energy of so many people on in this group, as a matter of fact, because it takes a certain amount of, of, of courage to want to get right. It really does, you know, because we are, we have been taught now through the microwave society that if it happens right away, that's good. When Getting, like I put that statement the other day, do you want to get rich quick or wealthy slow? I'll take the slow drip, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's sustainable. So now let's change up the topic a little bit. So I always like to say, why aren't we teaching our kids how to be business owners, entrepreneurs, right? And so I came up with a concept, at least in my house, um, I want to share with you because I'm doing it with my son and, you know, anyone else that comes out of this, uh, you know, relationship between my wife and I. How about that, right? So if you are going to work, it is going to be for the rest of your life that you contribute at least 10% of your income to the family bank. We control the bank. That's what we're doing now, right? So if you know that, if you make 100 grand, $10,000 is gonna come to the home plate. You make a million, 100 grand is gonna come to the home plate. And it's gonna happen in perpetuity for the rest of your entire life. Right? Because when you need that startup capital for your business, when you want to pay for that house cash, right? When you want to go out there and pay for the college education that you know is going to cost $700,000 to do because we ain't doing community college, right? So it's already there. It's right there, right? And, and when you get out of, of college and you start that business, you already know 10% goes to the bank. So this bank is not going to be like this, you know, like the Wells Fargo at first. But if you do this through generation through generation, because they say a generation takes 30 years, right? So through generations through generations, then you know what? Compounding interest is a mug. And, you, and then you put that bank in a trust. Whoa, wait a minute. Then you're in a, in a place where it's protected. 
Your money's protected. So if I pass, guess what? The estate taxes will be won't be affecting that trust. You get it? So it's it's that concept that I'm developing in my household that I'm sharing with your household. So you have this thought process of we control the bank. We control the bank. Why? It's our money we put in in the first place. So why we why would we why do we give our money to a bank that pays us 1.2, 1.3%? That's where that's the morgue. Mm -hmm. Right? So it doesn't make any sense to actually do that. So you got to put yourself in a position. I your family got on we control the bank. Guess what? We wouldn't be hearing about these stupid little things called susu and these things mm -hmm. people are doing trying to take advantage of people while they're going down because the economy's down and they're coming up with a scheme. You know right. what I'm saying? To try to get you to put money so they can get, no, you right. control your own bank. Yeah. You know yes, sir. Sorry to cut you off. I'll let you finish or, or let you finish your thoughts. No, go ahead, go ahead. Come on. Awesome. Come so one of the things I've learned, and I've been in the financial services industry for over 25 years. I went to Brew College majored in finance and, you know, went from analyst to financial advisor to private banker, you know, and I, I left that arena over maybe 20, 20 years and went into compliance. But all that I've learned uh, through those years is on a personal level and professional. So, if you don't apply like a doctor, if you don't apply what you tell your clients, but you don't do the same, then you're a hypocrite. So one of the things I've learned is how do we manage credit, right? A lot of us are living to manage credit. How do I build credit? I need to get a car. I need to get a credit card. I need to do this. We want to build our credit scores. But why are you building credit when you should be building equity? You should be building equity. You don't need a ton of, you don't need a car note and credit cards to weigh down on your, on your net balance over month over month. I learned that once I paid off my car note, cash flow was healthy in my, in my balance sheet. You have to treat yourself as a balance sheet. I said that before, I'm gonna say it again. If you are cash flow negative, that means you're living paycheck to paycheck. That means you don't have enough money to, lit, to, to follow what Kevin is exactly saying to you today. Because we're not trying to grow in warp speed. We're trying to build a dollar cost averaging model for ourselves. You build one cash point at a time. But to the point of my sister, $1, respect the value of $1. $1 saved is a dollar earned. The minute you start spending that money, and my mom always told me this, she said to me, son, spent money never replaces money. 
the minute you spend your money, you better know how you're going to replace that money. How are you going to replace it? And we're not talking about the, the, the necessities of your life. Yes, we have to pay our rent, mortgage, light utilities. But if you're going to spend your money haphazardly, that means going shopping, then how are you replacing that money that isn't making money for you? So you're building credit off of at, not, off of a liability, but it's not making money for you and it's taking away, it's sucking the life out of your cash flow, your balance sheet. You wanna go into this car every three years and lease a car, you look cute, you look beautiful, but what is your balance sheet looking like? <laughs> so that now you don't have any money to put into the market. You have to learn to manage credit. Managing credit is the number one key to wealth. And it doesn't have to be exorbitant wealth. It means that your savings account has money in it. It's got a couple of grand in it. Let's do this math real quick, Kev. If you have a <laughs> to $500 car note, a month, $500 times 10 months, that's $5,000 a year. You are spending $5,000 on a depreciating asset. It doesn't make sense. Get the car, pay it off. But Do something here's the reality. Else with your money. Let me, let me step in for one second. Here's the reality though. You're right. When it comes down to that car note, you're 100% right. But you got to look at it from a standpoint of we're not talking to what the behavior is. We're talking to why. So I always yeah. tell people the what is not important is the why. You right. know, why we got to drive that Mercedes? Why we got to drive that car that's $900? Why we have to do that? But right. I think the part that needs to be stated because yeah. we can point out the problems and the weaknesses all day. The solutions have to be there. Like I'm a bridge and ladder type of person, right? So if I got a right. problem, build a bridge, I'm gonna build a ladder. Right. So it's one of the things that this platform is about is training you on how to understand your money. You will look for more money. Right. Understand right. more ways to use it. Right. Right. So that's the problem. Problem's not the car note. Problem's not the credit. You know, problem's not that. The problem is they don't know people. And I say they, but people don't really have a, a, a thought process on how to use the money that they have. So which lends me to my next thought. Right. Um, the average millionaire has seven streams of income. So if you Google it, that's the deal. Seven streams of income. So the average person makes $51,000 a year. That's it. The top 1% makes 771,000. But the average millionaire makes a quarter million dollars a year. So they're working massive hours. If you're going to get paid three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Are you working nine to five? No, right? No one's going to be doing that. You're going to be working when they need you. You're going to be doing everything you can. That business is your business now, right? So if, if we're in that zone, what are we going to invest in with that money? But here's another fun fact for you. The average millionaire, let me ask you a question because I'm going to ask it in reverse. 
What do you think people, because he, he lended right into it, right? What do you think people are spending their money on? I'm going to pick somebody that hasn't said a word, Miss Blandon. Come on now. Unmute yourself. Here on, on, off, unmute. Um, I mean, hold on. Everybody that's got their face blocked, come on now. You two, Juan <laughs> Sweeney. We like energy on this phone. You need to tell them, Curtisha, about me. Unblock your life. Come on now. Bring it. Feel me? We family in here. Go ahead. Um, you know what you're saying, Ms. And hello, Anissa. Hi, how are you? Um, I, I would say um, the most money that's spent I'm just, you know, frivolous, frivolously is on, um, I would say maybe personal, just things, shoes, clothes, um, and it's not really the necessity of it. It's just, oh, I see these shoes. I want them. They look nice. Um, um, and that, that's kind of what I, I'm trying to get out of and try to put my money somewhere else. So but like I, I, I said, think if you knew how to put, okay, let me, let me ask you a question. If you know that the shoes you were buying, right? So let's call let's call up an average price of shoes. I don't know for women. I just know for guys. I know I'll spend five hundred dollars on a pair of shoes, right? So right. you knew that those shoes would be worth fifteen hundred dollars in three years, right? How many mm -hmm. of those shoes would you buy? Ooh. You have a closet full, right? I do have, have a closet full. <laughs> you probably have a house full, right? A closet, so yeah. If we transfer that thought process to, to, to equity, if you knew that the, the investment that you was making would be worth in, let's not say three years, but let's say in 20 years, was mm -hmm. worth 100 to 150% more than you started with, how much would you save or how much would you invest? Oh, wow. Um, well, let's see. I probably spend about... Does that, does that kind of get you twisting a little bit? Yeah, because I mean, I, I I probably spend just my my whole household together on shoes, and my and my husband's the biggest culprit. Um, probably two hundred fifty dollars a month, and that's so. So if I told you this, and you can Google it because I gotta get the I gotta get the um the fact right, but I know that if you in nineteen eighty four if you invested two thousand dollars in Nike, it's over a couple million dollars, just two thousand because it's split right. so many times, right? So it's over, it's over 2 million. I think the number was 2.7, but don't quote me on that. Mm. So if you knew that you're $3,000 a year, Matt, okay, let's stop on 3,000. 10 years ago, if mm -hmm. you bought $3,000 in Netflix, it'd be worth $180,000. So if you knew that all the money you're spending, go put $1,000 in Apple. And in, in, listen, if I put 18 grand into Apple back in 2000 and uh, in the back in 96, I bought 18,000. Mm. It'd be be a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I'm just not a millionaire over Apple anymore. I, I, I'm a grudge to company. I don't like it. I can't stand it. It's like an ex-girlfriend. I don't want no part of it. <laughs> but, but, yeah, yeah. You know, you know I, I just did a calculation. Uh, if you bought Netflix in 2007, Netflix in 2007 at $3.80, right? You put five grand, $5,000. Wow. $5, yeah, like, do the math. He froze up. Oh, I'm not okay. You didn't know oh, you blacked out. I don't know if anyone heard that. Say that again. Okay. If you put five thousand dollars on Netflix at, in two thousand and seven at three dollars and eighty cents a share, today it would be worth over half a million dollars. Mm. Five, that's the car note I was talking about. That's why I like to use that. That's, <laughs> I'm done. It's, it's just compounded interest, guys. That's all it is. But here's the back to what I was saying earlier too. 
was that we're spending our money the wrong way. We don't understand the power of our dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to ask yourself, what's the highest and best use for the dollars that you have? What is the highest and best use for those dollars? So the average millionaire saves how much? You think, how much of their salary do they save? Give me a number, somebody. Not you, you. <laughs> Give me a number. 45%. Was that you, Brad? Nope. More. No. I would say maybe maybe 80%, 80, 80%. No, not that 85? much. No, no, oh. they, they save 64% of their income. 64. Okay. And then just ask yourself, how much are you saving? And, and not answer that. Because <laughs> I'm not putting anyone on the street. We're going to get everybody off of that mindset. See, um, where's Charlena at? You there, babe? Let me ask you a question, and, and this is important because, you know, we've been rocking and rolling. I know you, our relationship goes really deep. It's six weeks old. <laughs> so, so how has the mindset changed for you since we've been working together? Um, <laughs> it's funny because I recently posted on Facebook. I went from buying Nike shoes to Nike stocks. So it, it, it's my mindset has really changed the thought of the free money that I had that I have can go to my future so mm-hmm. I've I'm still learning but mm-hmm. but you're doing so awesome I'm loving it I'm loving you know, it McDonald's right now yes sir <laughs> you know the, the, the thing about it is that you do start to change once you get into the money game it doesn't matter how much money you have guys you know, because one stock is one stock. One share is one share. You own a share, you own equity. It doesn't matter. They didn't say if you own one share, you don't own any equity. You own one share, you own equity. You understand? So you got to look at and think about, think about it that way. And also it's about our habits. What habits are we going to seek to change right now? So if we're talking about habits, we got to say, okay, this is what I tell people to do. Because what he was speaking to earlier, he was speaking to was cash flow. So your free cash flow. If you don't understand what your free cash flow is at the end of the week, end of the month, end of every two weeks, then how do you understand how to place those dollars in the best, highest position, right? You can't, you possibly can't. And then retirement is not there. And I'm not going to go there because that's the last piece of what I wanted to speak of. But it's like, you don't know what to do. You're not moving those, that money around the right way, right? So if you teach your children about money, what you should do is connect, it, connect their chores to, to the Robinhood app and stock. Like, you know, you can buy a percentage of stock with Robinhood, right? So make them work for stock. Make them work for stock. Give them what they want, but make sure that it's tied into something that they're going to own. So this way, when they see what they want turns into something that becomes equity, they'll connect it later. They may not connect it today, but if they see you sitting down and say, okay, you did your chores. Here's 10 bucks. I'm going to give you five of it. Let's buy some stock with the other five. What do you like? You like Disney? Let's buy some Disney, right? What do you like? You like YouTube? We're going to buy some Google. What do you like? You like my cell phone? Can you get my cell phone back? Okay, we're going to buy some cell <laughs> right? My son running all over the place with my cell phone. Let's buy some Apple, right? He can own Apple. I can't. It's off limit to me. I'm just mad at Apple. But, but that's just the mindset of it all. So here's the other part. All of us, we want the spoils. We want it. Oh, we want it. We want it big. But we're not willing to put the hours in to get it. Like, you cannot say that you want to be a millionaire and you want to work 40 hours a week because that is an oxymoron 
So just so you know, my wife would tell you straight up and down for 12 years, I worked an average of 85 to 95 hours a week for 12 years to get to this status. Now at 53, we can roll back. I probably work harder now than I did then because I'm always coaching or talking to somebody about something, but I love the elevator move. I'm lifting you. You get, it's a beautiful thing. Cause I wake up like ready to get it. Where are we going? Right, there's, no, there's no spoils in my day. We don't have no lazy dollars around here. Every dollar gets to work, right? So that's really the mentality of it all. So how many believe that they should have work-life balance? <sighs> Anissa, come on, join up, unmute. Absolutely, I mean, if you're gonna work hard, play hard, hold on. Wait a minute, before you even speak, I wanna say thank you. You are such a light on this page. I well, thank you. Let me turn this down for a minute. <laughs> you welcome all the people to the ground, to the to the game. So I love you for that. I appreciate you. Now come on, step on the red carpet. <laughs> Let's go. Oh yeah, you yeah you. I think that you should have uh, work life balance because see, I work in healthcare, so I'm a nurse practitioner. The little young man right there, that's my son. He's special uh -huh. needs. So I'm so y'all have to excuse me because we eating dinner. But um, yes, absolutely. But the hardest part about having work life balance is. You're not gonna become rich on eight between eight and five. Mm -hmm. It's gonna come after that. What you're doing from seven to midnight or seven to two is really where you're going to really make your impact for what your life. Sometimes you have to work. You have to work to fund your dream, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, that's, that's yeah. So yes, have some work-life balance, but um, at the same time, you have to keep your your eyes on your why. That's my why right there. So, which is why I'm sitting here with y'all tonight, because I'm trying to learn. I just started into stocks on, in April, actually. Good job. And so I've been kind of, every pay, pay, pay period, I take about $50 and see what I can play with, you know. And then every, every pay period, that's what I've been doing since like April. So I've, I've acquired several, and it may not be but one or two shares in each, but I've also bought some partial stocks, too, um, through the cash out because I wasn't able to do the Robin Hood yet. And I just got the email this morning that I'm eligible to do the partial socks through Robin Hood now. Mm -hmm. So well, I'm happy with that. Well, I'm happy that you got involved and I'm gonna, tell, I'm, I'm gonna teach you how to stop playing with it. Okay, I, I, I want it to be more than play playing with it. I'm, I'm, I'm scared, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm a single mom, I have been all my life. And this baby is special needs. So I have to be very careful with what I do with my funds because the government ain't gonna take care of him. That will be me. But right. I, I would love to set up something so that my other son who's 19 will be able to leave, I'll be able to leave a legacy for both of them. And my 19 year old never have to worry about how he's gonna take care of his brother. So let me let me get a couple of things in with you right now while I got you. Mm -hmm. All right, first of all, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you, lovely lady? I am 43 years old. So let's look at it in terms of 43, let's call it 65, let's call it 22 years, right? Okay. What you got to start getting your head around is how much money, all right? And, and it's what I always tell people, identify the stupid tax. What's the stupid tax, you might ask? What we Go to your bank statement and you're going to find it in 90 days. Trust me, all the stuff you spent money on, you shouldn't have spent money on is a stupid tax. Right. 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 So once you identify that money, then you have to say, okay, how much can I add to the stupid tax? So it can be a, a, a smart move to make that mm -hmm. money grow. Right. Okay. So if I can identify that money, how much money would that be? That's your homework. Okay. All right. So if All I right. can identify $500 a month, 
$50 a month, whatever, $1,000 a month. Let's mm -hmm. do that. And then there's this thing called MoneyChimp. It's a compounded interest calculator starting from okay. zero, right? You, if it's $500 a month, that's $6,000 a year. All right. Okay. And let's say you got the market has returned 10% a year for the last hundred years. So if you put it in an index fund and you just go to sleep because you don't know that much about stock, you just do that. Then hopefully you can get that type of return, but let's work with that return. And then you say to yourself, okay, in 20 years, this is what I'll have. And if you don't like what that number looks like, then you got to work hard to add some money to that. Okay. That makes sense. So I, I was working, I was talking about work life balance because I'm going to tell you when you're on that, that trail, you don't, you don't have any work life balance. There's zero. You're trying to get it, right? So I'll, I'll say this to you. Most people who are used to working nine to five hate their boss. So of course they want work-life balance. They want to balance yourself away from work, right? So, but people who are getting that, 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 that I call it alpha, but they're getting that extra and they're making it happen they, and they're investing their dollars because either you're going to trade your hours for dollars or you're going to trade your hours for investable dollars. One it's difference between that is, is spending it and then investing it. When you get used to investing the dollars that you trade your hours for, you're going to work so many hours, you're going to be trying to get as much as you can. Because for the people who bought a stock last week that was 50 bucks, it turned to be 65, and they took that $1,000 up to, let's call it 1,200 bucks, then they're like, oh my God, I made 20% of my money, and I don't have enough money in there. So then it becomes about how much do you own? It's like in my group, I had a stock go up a few of them. I mean, whatever, but one went up 33%. And I said the difference between 33% on $1,000, $10,000, and $30,000 is different, right? But nonetheless, it's still 30%, right? So you got to look at it from that standpoint. The other thing, too, is millionaires kind of think different. They think they, they don't think like the average person thinks because they know that their life, they're renting out their time for an investable dime. Put it like that, right? So if you're going to go in and you want to retire at 53, you got a lot of work to do, right? But it's like, you got to say to yourself, okay, it can happen because, listen, let me tell you something. I got love for my nurses. The nurses started me in the business. I'm, I was an insurance agent after I was in a, a stockbroker. And all my nurses bought a lot of policies from me. They love me. I love them to death, okay? Y'all make enough money and y'all care about everybody, but it seems like y'all got every insurance carrier on your paycheck. It's like, God help you, right? And thank you. <laughs> but, but the reality behind it is, is that you make enough money to take it to that next level. You understand what I'm saying? And it's, it's so important that you learn how to do that. I think if we can teach people how to do that part, then they won't be spending money on sneakers. They won't be spending yeah. money on cars. They won't be spending money on clothes. Mm -hmm. I had someone ask me for $1,000 um, last summer. And um, it was funny because I know I was going to give him the money, but I asked him, do you need it? He was like, well, you know what? I'm good. I said, then why are you asking? But at the same time, he had Balenciaga's shoes on and he had, a, he had an S550. And I was like, you need more than a thousand dollars if you asking me for a thousand dollars, Chief. Yeah, yeah. Does that make any sense? So, yeah. but he understood because my money comes in the bank for two seconds. So, if anyone knows about the insurance business, tomorrow's renewal day, my renewal day. So, look at Cartesia. So, <laughs> cut it. So, what happens very simply at nine o'clock when I look, there's this thing called fidelity. I go like this, and I hit the button. 
Because if I look at it too long, I'm going to figure out what I got to get. Does that make any sense? So I just do it automatically. It doesn't even make sense. Um, so I always tell people that time is very important because you got to look at how many years do you have to have earning years? You're in your earning years. So how many years do you have to make it happen? You know, I always tell people, listen, if I talk to you for an hour, that's 3,600 seconds of my time. 15 minutes is 900 seconds. A day is 86,400 seconds. I ain't got any seconds to give you when you're thinking you're wasting my time. You understand what I'm saying? But I spend time trying to build people to understand it. Once you understand that thought process, you're going to be walking around going, man, you up early. They'd be like, yo, Kev, they hit me at 5 in the morning, and I hit them right back. They'd be like, I'm not saying hit me at 5 in the morning either. <laughs> talking all y'all. But anyway, but I hit you back because usually I'm planning out my day. It's like I got this contest coming, and the contest that Katisha and, and Charlene is in, it's like, Dude, there was 32 people in that contest last week, last month, and only 26% of them participate. And really only really 12 of them are really doing it, right? This is 200 people now. Damn. You think about managing that, right? But it's going to be cool. I, I, I can't wait to do it. Um, so the last thing I want to do is, because I don't want it to run so long, is I want to talk about stocks. I'm going to skip over the retirement piece. But I'm going to talk about, um, you know, how, you know, you're in the stock market. I'm going to let you guys ask me any questions you like. Um, mm -hmm. So if you have any questions, you Robin Hood people. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kev, yeah. I, I wanted to uh, also add, add to your comment, um, you know, based on, you know, usable dollars. What dollars do you have and how do you value those dollars? Mm -hmm. You know, I had a client of mine. He was... Uh, a litigation attorney. His net worth was about $80 million. I managed approximately two and a half million of his cash. But the reason why he bought the cash in to me is because number one, he respected me. How I approached him, how he liked what I had to say. So I'm gonna move 2.5 to you. And he said, you know, what I understand, Hugh, is you know, there's a promotion for gift cards. You you open an account, you get these gift cards. I said, okay. A couple weeks passed, he didn't get his gift cards. You're talking about a man that's worth $80 million. Do you know this man said, Hugh, I'm supposed to get five gift cards worth, let's just say $200. I said, okay, Mr. K, I won't say his name. I'll look into it. Got a lot of back talk from back office. I figured he would maybe let it go because his portfolio is working. Nope, the man wanted his $200. He wanted his five or four gift cards worth $200 and there were $40, $50 each. One thing I learned, like you said, Kev, these millionaires, they don't like to spend their money. They like to spend other people's money. They know how to make it, but they don't want to spend it. And if they are going to spend it, it's the money that they earned off of what they've earned. That's, yeah. like you said, interest, compound interest, they'll spend that money. So be wary and be 
cognizant of what you do with your cash. Are you spending it haphazardly on wants and desires, or are you spending it on goals? As Kevin has clearly stated, what is your goal in as far as earning? And also, you know, utilizing that money, utilizing your cash to making money as equity and investing. Yeah, I, um, I'll say this. I saved 75% of my money. I ain't going nowhere. I sit in the house all day. You know what I buy? You know what cost me the most? Food. That's what cost me the most. Right? It's like, listen, I went to, I went to Whole Foods. Was it today or yes? It was yesterday. And I bought some salmon steaks. Four big salmon steaks cost me like $125. I'm like, yo, dog. What, what, when they, I got to go find, I go catch my own fish. But anyway, let's open it up, um, guys, for some stock uh, questions. I'll answer any questions about any stocks or whatever. Um, come on. Come on. Questions. Go ahead, Stephanie. It, it might be stupid, but. Um, no stupid questions. Stop it. We've been in the business, and I don't know this because I did. Um, I signed up with TD Ameritrade and uh, Robinhood just to get prepared for the upcoming month. Mm -hmm. But because I am a um, advisor, it's um, telling me I need a letter from my current company. Do you know what that letter is for me to be able to buy stocks and trades and stuff? Here's the issue. When you open up the account on it, it says, are you a family member, a member of a member firm? That's what's going on. Right. Go to your compliance department and let them know you want to open up a stock account. They'll give you the, they'll give you the letter. Okay. Now back to you guys. Stock. Give me some stock questions. Let's have some fun. What stocks have you guys been watching? What's been going on in this crazy market? Um, you can't talk about our stock, Charlena. Thank you very much. Love you. But you can talk about I it. Yeah, <laughs> I bought some Chesapeake stock. That was one of the first stock. Listen to me. Let me finish first. I bought some because it was like a couple cents, you know. I bought like $200 worth. When I first started, it was like one of my first purchases because, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, trying to get my life together. Um, and then they did a reverse split. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> I had to clutch my pearls. I mean, the next day they did it. And I'm like, okay. I don't know what I'm doing, Jesus. I'm going to have to start reading some old stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I don't know how to necessarily pick them. And I don't have a, like, strategy of how to uh, purchase the right, if there's a, such a thing as right stock. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what it is? In the beginning, like, I was looking at the Robin Hood stocks. So in, on Robinhood, one of the most popular stocks in Robinhood, if I can go through my memory, I'm pretty good like this. Uh, it was Delta, UAL, Airlines, uh, American Airlines, not, not American, you don't know, uh, United Airlines, Apple, Microsoft, um, uh, cannabis, I forgot what cannabis stock they had. But those are like the, what everyone does in the beginning is that they go with what's being said, they look at what's being purchased, and, and they think that's, the, oh, GE and Ford was the other ones. And normally what they do is they're buying it on price. And as we already know from what I teach, is you never buy price. You always buy company. You never do that because that is how you lose your money or put it to sleep. Never buy price. So that's what happens a lot of times. You see 
that um you know like Chesapeake Chesapeake went to what sixty nine dollars a share. God help you if you'd have sold it there. You only had one day with it though, one dance at the rodeo, because the stock then went down that night and then applied for uh, bankruptcy, and then it went down to seventeen dollars the next day. So you know at at the end of the day. I always tell people, don't buy price. Don't buy, don't pay attention to the shiny pennies, companies that everybody's buying. Learn to do some research. Because if you learn how to do the research, what will happen is you'll be able to identify good companies based on revenues, based on earnings, based on assets, based on cash on hand, based on growth. So if you can do that, you put yourself in a good position. All right. Who's next? Come on. You are starting out and you're saying to buy by company and not buy by price because if you're starting out, even though you have the knowledge, you're, you are thinking about um, price. So what, and I know about diversification. So what is your, it's not a, not, I don't want to use the word safe. What is your place if someone's like just diving in um, to start what, like, well, the stocks? I would um, I would be doing ETFs and indexes. I wouldn't if you're you're new to the market. You can't pick stocks. You don't know what you're doing. I would pick the best stocks in the world, S and P 500. You know, I would just buy indexes. Why? Because you let someone else be the genius. You know, and if you look at the track record, you'll be fine. You understand? You got just gotta know how to do basic research there. You know, stock. There's not too many stock pickers. Like I'm a stock picker, but you know how many years it took me to be a good stock picker. Whoa, decades, you know, because if I could tell you how many winners I sold, that's like the biggest joke around here. You know, I sold a lot of winners because I got out of them too quick. All right. But now it's a different ball game. I have a little bit of seed. So I would say to you, start, start there, because if you see individual stock swings, you may not be able to handle it. Right. And so you don't want to get into that. It's a very conservative play. You know, um, Luan, are you waiting to speak? Yes. Okay. Did I answer your question, Stephanie? Yes. I'm, I'm just, I think I'm, I'm, for me, I'm confused because where I'm starting, mm -hmm. um, I don't want to confuse everybody. So I, I don't no, know. No, how to no, 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 no. We're going to clear it up right now. Come on. You got me. So come on. So if you, you're trying to just get your feet wet, let's say with up to $10,000 and you're just trying to get your feet wet. It's, it's, it's almost kind of like nerve wracking and just the anxiety and what's crippled me from starting, just not knowing, you know what I'm okay. saying? I'm going to stop you right there. Here's the reality. If you ever came to me and said to me, listen, I have money to invest. I'm going to ask uh, Charlena, if, what would I say to them? Do you know? Research. Research would be one thing, but I wouldn't have you research anything before I had you do one thing before that. What would that be? Um, uh, I don't know. Okay, that's okay. Read. read. So, read. So, <laughs> read. Here's the deal. Um, Peter Lynch. I like Peter Lynch because he's more akin to the average person's thought process of buy what they know. I just flip it, buy what you understand. So, Peter Lynch has three books. So the first book is One Up on Wall Street. Second book is going to be Learn to Earn. 
The next book is going to be Beating the Street. Slow down, man. Slow down, man. Okay. <laughs> he just, he's just naming them out, girl. We, I, I mean, he's just rallying. I'm trying to write, and he's just going to start yeah. over from scratch. No, he's going to try to write it out, man. <laughs> trying to help you out. Learn to earn. Go ahead, girl. They're part of the crew. Look at Curtisha. That's what we do. Anyway, um, one up on Wall Street. The one she's holding up. One up on Wall Street. And then the last one I said was beating the street. And then I hope you got to learn to earn. You know, and you start there. I got plenty of books, plenty of books. Okay. But you start there and get familiar. The reason why you're scared is because you're unprepared, right? It's like, I wouldn't put you on my team if I never seen you play ball. I need to see you practice. You ain't practiced for the game yet. You can't get on the floor. Sit on a bench over there. Get some splinters. Nope, just some annuities here and there. <laughs> that's not. That ain't practice. That's that's. You was coaching from the bleachers. Yeah. <laughs> so you just want to read, get some, get familiarity first before you do anything. Um, the last book was uh, Learn to Earn. Yeah. Learn to hey, earn. Hey Kev. Kev, I, 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 I used to tell my clients, you know. Uh, customer X, what amount is comfortable for you to get started, right? What amount is comfortable for you to get started? So if customer X has, Stephanie has 10,000, Stephanie's going to start off with me with maybe 2,500. She's comfortable with losing, potentially losing 2,500. But if she starts with 2,500, she sees how it's performing, then she'll start to add a little bit more, a little bit more, till she gets to 10,000. So you prove- your, I like that concept. Your methodology- I'm gonna stop both of you guys, pause. Yeah, you prove your methodology. I don't want nobody ever. This is why, yeah, this is my shop, bro. This is reality. <laughs> Nobody's buying nothing, and I can't do it anymore. He's still probably registered. But until you read, you shouldn't buy one stock. I don't care where you are in your life. If you got 10,000, listen, I got a guy I'm, I'm coaching right now. He has a half a million dollars in the market, but he didn't know, he didn't even know how much he had in the market because his business managers. He wants to know and understand what they're doing. So I'm training him to understand that. The only way I can do that is if I teach him what all these things mean, right? So you got to get the knowledge. You got to get the why, all right? Because the market went up. Great. Why did it go up? You don't know why. You can't buy stock. You understand? If you don't know what a ticker symbol means, you shouldn't be buying stock. If you don't know what the average daily volume means and in, in, in how to read charts and how to do these different things, no, stop. You got to read. It's really, it's like, I, I've, I've been in over 10, probably over, way over 10,000 homes, right? Probably a year for the last 12 years, over 100,000 homes. I'd look at it from a standpoint of 99% of the people I talk to know nothing about stock. Correct. So my whole thing is do not buy anything. Do not put your hard-earned dollars at risk until you are secure. So I'm going to give you this, this one thing, and I'm going I'm to let LaJuan come on in and ask a question. Here's the reality. I give this on every call, it seems, because it needs to be said. We got some basketball players that, you know, some basketball enthusiasts on the, on the Zoom. Am I right? Yeah, we like basketball here. 
So if I said Kobe or, or, or Jordan, which one would you pick? <laughs> Come on. Kobe or Jordan? Kobe. Kobe. Jordan, Kobe. baby. Jordan. Jordan. Come on. Oh, y'all. You just said Kobe. Shut up. So back over here. So <laughs> we got to go Jordan. But here's the reality. If you don't know all Jordan's stats, you don't know what his, his average points per game is. You don't know his stats. You don't know where he grew up. You don't know what he scored on the day he played with the flu. Hell, you don't know he played with the flu. You're not a Jordan fan. Right? But here's the reality, though. If you don't know what the stats of the company that you're buying, what their earnings and revenues have been for the last three to ten, last five to ten years, you don't know what their cash position today, their debt today, debt to equity today. You don't know what cash on hand is today. You don't know their position, their market share today. You shouldn't be buying that company. But if you don't know what that means, you haven't read enough to understand what those things are. So until you get familiar with those things, do not put your money into a grinder. Stop. Okay, Luan, let's go, baby. <laughs> I ain't playing with nobody. I see. No, okay. Why are you, wait a minute. Why are you behind? You better turn. I want to see you. <laughs> because I am in here cooking and moving around. Whatever. Everybody got the pandemic going on. <laughs> I got, I've been working on my pandemic body. I ain't playing. I'm over here feeding my son, so come on through. We want to see you. Show your face. You can't ask your, my face, too. Show your face and you can't ask your question. I'll mute you. Come and on. I don't even know how to do that. Two I don't seconds. know how to use Zoom. Dude. I don't know phone. how to do that. Uh, you know you what? You mute it. It's right next to it. It's right next to the mute, bro. Say it again. Right next to the mute. Don't play with me. There we go. Where's she at? Hey, lady. <laughs> What's up, Kevin? <laughs> oh, she don't talk about it. See anything changes? Right. <laughs> Let's go. What's your question? All righty. So I know one, I have to start reading to get an understanding of all these uh, words you threw out there. So that's one. But what about Acorn? Are you familiar with Acorn and what's good with that? Well, Acorn is like Robin Hood. All of these apps are like, you can partially buy stock, fractional shares. You know, um, like I think Stash is like that too. So they're good for beginners because if you don't have money enough to buy 300, 100 shares of Apple, you can buy a fraction, fractional portion of it. You understand what I'm saying? But, you know, the app to buy is one thing, but to, to what to buy is another. Does that make sense? True. So, but the way that Acorn is set up, um, you just pretty much select your comfortability. So right now I'm on um, moderately aggressive. Mm -hmm. And so um, so I see a lot of what you said on the EFT, um, S&P 500, some other things and some bonds and all these things, of course, which I don't understand what it is that really means. But that's <laughs> where the, you know, certain percentage of the money that I allocate there weekly is going into these different stocks. Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, so I was just trying to, one, get an understanding of like, what are these stocks? Like, what is the return? Like, just the basic. I just, I just feel as though I wanted to put my money to, into something. I wanted to start somewhere. Okay, so can, I, can, I, can I step in and yes. help you again? Oh, man. So our folks, you know, <laughs> our, our new investors, I'm going to say it that way, 
All you'll want to do is buy first and get to know later. I need you to stop that. You need to stop that. That's it's true. harmful to you. You get it? Like, yes. don't think about buying something every week if you can't tell me what you're buying. Because it's, it's like when I teach people how to research, right? If you call me up and say, listen, I got this stock. What's the story with this stock? I'm going to tell you that uh, unless you know what the last earnings per share for the last four, four quarters was, the year-over-year growth and everything else attached to it, I don't want to hear it. Go back. You got some more work to do, right? And, you know, and I do it nicely, but you know what I'm saying. The yes. whole point I'm reaching is that you need to know by reading. Take these books I gave, and, and did you write them down? Yes. Buy those books. First one you want to read is Learn to Earn. And if you don't, if you're not a heavy reader, listen to it. It's on Audible. Right? Listen, you, when you walk around cooking in the kitchen, taking care of your little boy and taking care of everybody in the family, just listen to it on Audible. Gotcha. The good thing about it, you can keep rewinding, go back every 30 seconds. You can have fun with it. And you can take, and I would say to you, listen to one chapter and then go back and take notes. Listen to it again. And I never finish books, by the way. I like, I never finish books because I'm always in a book to get something out of it. Does that make sense? Right. So I would do that. Um, anybody else have any more questions? Because I, I do want to turn the uh, uh, turn it down now because it's 910 now. And I, I, just wanna, wanna, uh, I just want to say, like, when I first started, it was overwhelming. Everything sounded like Japanese and the whole different language. But as, as I started reading, and, and listening to Kevin and <laughs> sending messages and asking questions, um, it's, it's, I still have a long way to go, but I'm starting to understand and I understand why I picked this company or because there's tons of companies out there and you don't know which one you want to put your money into. But if you research on it, it's like, ah, I know about this company, but it's not good. So, you know, once you just continue continue to learn you'll understand better so yeah, just be really thirsty for the knowledge if you do that then you'll be fine you know don't be rushing out there to put your money to work when i did that whew, i lost a lot of money doing that early in the game you know and because now it's just different for me you know i i try to try to i try to step in front of you before you step into the street and get hit by the mm -hmm. car <clears throat> yeah, you know what I'm saying? I try to do that for you because I already know what's going to happen. See, I can handle the hit. You understand that? I've had some really bad days and some really awesome days, but it's all great days if you don't sell stock and you know what you're buying. You know, like I'll give you, I'll give you an idea on, on one stock. I posted it in my group. Um, so I talk about it all the time. It's my favorite company, Trade Desk. So Trade Desk, the funny part about it was the stock was $90 when I started researching it. And I bought it, it was 80, 80 something. I bought it like $86 a share. Stock went up to 160. So you thought I picked a good stock. Of course I picked a good stock, but guess what? It went from 160 back to 105. So at 105, I get my chin check. Am I ready for it? Yeah, I was ready for it. Guess what happened? It went from 105 to 160 again. It went from 160 to 232. I can show you the chart. Then it went from 232 back to 160, 160 to 232 to 289, 289 back to 130 when the pandemic happened, 135. Now the stock today, hold on, we gotta have some fun if it's on my screen. I swear, I hope it's there. Come on, baby. Hold on, wait a minute. 
Yeah. Yeah, hold on a second, guys. Yeah, we see it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Hold on a second. Let me just get this up there. All right. So if you look at let me go to the let me go to the uh the monthly because that'll show you what's really what's really happening. Not that's weekly. So uh, 2019. So let's show here. Right? This is 2018 in May. $52 a share. There's no splits on this thing. I, I got involved here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So then it went all the way to here. Let's look and see what, is, what that is. It's 172. The, the high on it that day is 197. All right. But mm -hmm. let me, let me change. No, I don't want to change the candlesticks. But the reality is that then it stayed, it based out here, built the base here. Then it went up to, mm -hmm. two, it's 245 here. Right. Mm -hmm. Where did it go back down here again? <laughs> 92. And then hold on, wait a minute. Where, where are we at here? Because I know I'm there. 173. Then all of a sudden here, 306. Mm. Right. And then over here, what we got going here? 136. Now it's 382. Mm. Mm. So the question to you, this is why I tell you new guys. You, this is the heart attack stock, but if you understand the story, not mm. the stock, not the price, you're going, you pray for this thing to come back down. You pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. Because you know how it rocks. Mm -hmm. This has been a six-figure stock for me. Mm -hmm. You get it? So when you, when you think about it, you just got to understand that most people want to buy here. But the problem is when it gets here, then it goes down here, they let it go. Yep. They never see this, they never see this, they never see this, they never see that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because they're so busy trying to get the quick buck. So from here to here, you know, you had a thousand shares, you're, oh man, I'm up, I'm up 50 grand, or whatever the number is, right? But had you kept it, you'd be up 200. Mm -hmm. God knows where this thing could be in 10 years, right? So right. when, I, when I look at it like that, I try to train people on the fact that it's not about your price. It's about performance. It's about the company. And it's about mm -hmm. paying for growth. So I, I'm just t I showed you that just to give you a point. Guys, it all looks good. Everybody wants to invest. But you really need to invest in knowledge first. Mm -hmm. Get the knowledge first. You know, and I'm going to tell you, when I, when I do my, um, my, uh, my, my, my contest, I'm giving you some basic stuff to learn. And that's how I got, you know, these two sharp individuals on the phone, on the Zoom now, Katisha and Charlena, you know, because she's got 207. Well, as of yesterday, it was 207. I don't know what it is today. And, you know, she has 800 and God knows how many thousands of dollars from her 100 grand pimp. But anyway, but, <laughs> but what I did was, like, her husband's in my 2.0 group. They pay us a subscription group. She's in my 2.0 group. And, and, you know, so it, after that, I give people that opportunity to join me over there where they're getting long-term coaching. We ain't trading, you know, and they get a chance to see me buy and pick stocks and they see me. I'm a real dude. I'm buying stock. I'm posting confirms. I don't care. Let's go. It's it just, what it is, is that it's about the long-term scenario. And also it's like going to the gym with a bunch of people who are trying to get to where you're going. You understand? So you're not going to make that mistake around a bunch of people who is well-taught. 
you're not going to be thinking for yourself anymore because what you're going to do is learn how to think independently, but you're going to really bounce ideas off of that screen that says, uh, I need you to keep me from hurting myself. Let me, let me give you that stock. And if you can't argue me down, like you're talking about your Kobe fan, if you can't tell me and prove to me why that stock deserves to be bought, then it's not a stock you should put your money in. Because the only thing I'm going to say to you, because I can't tell you to buy it, I'm not licensed anymore. I'm just going to say to you, I wouldn't do it with my money. Mm-hmm. That's my code for get rid of it. <laughs> you got it? So with that being said, guys, awesome call today. I appreciate all you guys for showing up on the call. Uh, my bad on the link. Um, I hope to see you guys on Saturday for those who are in the competition. Um, and then I'll give you everything to, to kind of, uh, you're going to have to go through some steps. I'm not even going to go through it now, but I'll see you guys then. I appreciate you guys. Thank you again for joining us.